previously on All Things Unexplained. A law enforcement officer's job is to find probable cause that a crime occurred and present that probable cause to a judge or a magistrate who will issue a warrant. It's the district attorney's job to prosecute that. But by the same token, we have to give the district attorney enough evidence, enough ammunition in order to get a conviction. And sometimes at a case, even after we've developed probable cause that somebody did it, uh, the detectives and not just me, but detectives will continue digging uh, before the case actually goes to trial, looking for more information and uh, more clues or more evidence that, that it's something occurred uh, or that our guy did it. Unexplained. Hosted by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. <laughs> CJ Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out early anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun man. Uh, I'm just old nobody, somebody looking for somebody. Gut instinct is just another it's just another tool when it's treated right. And You've got so many different tools in your toolbox as an investigator, the DNA, the fingerprints, the uh, other forensic evidence, the autopsy, the uh, expert uh, uh, listen to the interview and uh, the polygraph, which is used as as a tool. All these things shouldn't be taken separately. All of them. It takes all of them to bring together for a, for a for a good case or a good investigation and you uh, shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket and just entirely uh, entirely go on basic instinct um, I've, I've known detectives that could walk out into a parking lot and pick out individuals or pick out cars that and say if you run that tag that person's got a warrant on them and they would be right, you know, 75% of the time, wow. uh, just by basing it on, uh, things that they see or, uh, or what have you, uh, some people call that profiling and some people call it a gut instinct. So you, it's just something, it's just one of those things, one of the parts it's part of the toolbox that you carry as an investigator and right. but by the same token it's like i tell my my uh, young ladies uh if you bring a boyfriend home and your dog doesn't like him do not 
Just hang it up. He's not worth it. If the dog don't like, you know, especially psychic or, dogs. That's... Yeah, that's it. Well, dog is yeah, exactly. The dog knows. So go with that. Go with the dog's gut instinct. Oh, if the boyfriend isn't liked by the by the pets, uh, and I say I tell him that, and I say listen to your dad somewhat, uh, and your mom. <laughs> and, uh, they they kind of know what's going on a little bit, but uh, even if you don't believe your mom or dad, if the dog says it, the dog go with the dog. Oh yeah, you know Scott, I couldn't help but think when you were telling us about some of these cases, the opening introduction to the show Law and Order, which I used to watch <laughs> religiously. You know the the police who investigate the crimes and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. These are their stories. And it made me wonder, you know, I've watched so many shows, and as all of us have, and, and, and movies. In your experience, what, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that people have about police detective work? The processing of evidence. Uh, DNA results. You, you see that, especially on FBI shows. Uh, the DNA doesn't match, and it's like... They just collected it 15, 20 minutes ago. And uh, uh, that's that takes a while to process. Uh, and it has to be done exactly. And documentation. You don't see the detectives doing all the write-ups on the reports. You don't see all the... Uh, you never see on uh, Law & Order them following a bum lead. That ends <laughs> up just nothing. Right. Uh there's always they you see you're seeing the good stuff of course they have to shut the case down in you know an hour or so but <laughs> that's right yeah uh my favorite cop show and it's not a cop show is perry mason oh uh, love me some raymond burr <laughs> that's it i love Much the old is, ones i love the new the ones old one. yeah I, if you could call them new ones but you know he was on that he was Perry Mason a very long time ago, and then I don't know if he reprised yes. the role, if it just kept running for that long. Uh, yes, the uh, I got curious and I looked it up on Wikipedia the other day. <laughs> he uh, there was actually a couple of different. There was the original black and whites that we see. The last episode was actually done in color, and then several years later they brought him back as the new Perry Mason. Yeah, and. Della was in there in Raymond Burr and I don't remember if Drake Paul Drake was in there or not but uh, he was a tremendous that, actor and you know who else I loved I love I loved Barnaby Jones too yes Barnaby Jones I'm, that's 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 real good show too and uh, and oh, of course yeah. there's Matlock that was oh, a good yeah. one uh, which is actually Matlock is uh, based on a real, real lawyer in Georgia. Uh, outside, and he still practices law, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and I'm going to do a podcast on him because he was oh, connected with the homicide with a major league baseball player in the uh, '60s, and it was an old case, uh, an old homicide that was committed when the major league ball player uh was 
uh, in his teens, his early teens, and it was basically a stupid accident type thing. And uh, he represented him when he finally ended up uh, going to court on that that one case. And that's actually how they found the character for uh, uh, Matlock. So. Oh, interesting. You know, speaking of misconceptions, Scott, I think it's interesting how you talked about how much you liked the show uh, Perry Mason, right? But Perry Mason was a defense attorney. Is it a misconception? I feel like they usually portray police detectives at not having very good relationships with defense attorneys. Uh, sometimes that happens. Uh, I've always had a, a good relationship with, with most of the attorneys in town. Uh, and I have testified as a witness for them in, in other cases. Uh, I had a gentleman that I didn't have him. It was actually a federal case. Uh, post office had, was after this guy for some, uh, some cases and the local attorney asked me to come and testify as a, uh, as a expert witness. And he interviewed me on certain aspects of what, uh, the uh, types of crimes that this guy was was involved in and uh, they were juvenile related and his perspective was to get the uh, get the guy some help and that was he pled him uh, ended up pleading him guilty and we'll get him some uh, instead of actual lockup time he was trying to get him into a uh, mental health facility and it's after hearing his particular case it sounded like a good idea so we get called on to to work with a lot of people and uh, the defense attorneys are, are just some of the people yep. eating a lot of lunches with some da's i mean with- have you ever heard of the case of leochi that's there in tupelo mississippi still, still no i don't think she so. was a uh, 13 years old she appeared from her home one morning and they have yet to ever find her they had some bloody clothing uh, some bloody items but they have yet to to find her that's been 28 years ago and uh they kind of just was really national wow. news uh, for a long time it was featured on nancy grace 2020 unsolved mysteries a lot of different uh things and uh, theories have come out about that. It's still an open investigation, obviously, because she's never been found. So, thought you might be interested in that case sometimes. Yeah, very much. I have to Her look last into that. O C C H I. Good podcast. I was in high school when it happened. O C C H I. I tell you one one famous police duo I forgot about. I don't know how I forget about him. Joe Friday, Dragnet. <laughs> yes, Joe Friday. What was his catchphrase? He had a catchphrase. It was. Uh... Oh, he's very polite too. Yeah. Always yes, ma'aming and. Oh yeah. Uh, no, ma'am, and. One of my favorite Hill Street Blues. Ah yes, Hill Street Blues. That 
I enjoyed Hill Street Blues because that came on when it uh, was on when I actually started police work. So that that uh, had a lot of impact on me. Just and, the facts, ma'am. Yeah. That was Joe Friday. That's it. Just the facts. Yeah. <laughs> just the facts. Good shows. Well, we've been chatting at Lunsford, former detective and author and podcast. I feel like we could listen to so many of your stories um, for five days here, but you do have your own podcast. Why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find your books one more time and, and listen to your podcasts as well. Uh, I'm on most, I'm on a lot of different platforms. Uh, you can actually just uh, do a Google search for felon file podcast and and it'll pop up either on uh, apple podcasts or uh, spotify or, or some of the others uh it's, they're out there or you can go to felonfile.com and there's a link on that and listening to past uh, uh podcasts i've got i think about 130 of them out there i tried to do uh, one a week and been doing them for a little while and um uh, the early stuff, I'm just trying to figure out and get the audios down and figure out where I'm coming from and, and how to talk and how to do it. And it's still a work in progress, and I'm still trying my best to improve them. So I take good crit. I'm very willing to take criticism if people have ideas on that. Uh, you can also go to uh, scottlunsfordauthor.com. And there's a link there to my books on Amazon and Barnes and Noble also carry them there. You can get them through their website. Uh, There's a couple of bookstores that (laughs) there's a couple of bookstores that carry them locally in the Asheville, Western North Carolina area. And uh, uh, you can reach me at felonfile at gmail.com as well. And uh just like you guys, if, if you like my stuff and want to help with the podcast, maybe defray some costs on uh, getting copies or uh, getting uh, uh, requ- fulfilling requests for, for records. Uh, sometimes you know, different agencies want to charge you, you know, five or six bucks for a, a, a something, somebody to look your stuff up for you. Uh, you can go to... Uh, Buy me a coffee backslash felon file um, on there. And uh, there's a small blog there too that uh, you can hook up to and and see what's upcoming as far as my podcast go. And I'm working on a new book called for my young people series called The uh, Time Traveling Teacher. And oh, exciting. Yes, that's going to be, that's going to be having fun with that and uh, who better teach history yeah, than a time really. traveler right Wonderful. that's right if if i if i could yeah, be a, suit me. if i could Smith be a time I, traveler, I, would, there. I would go back in time and never become a teacher that's what <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. 
Amen. Oh. Me too. That sounds like an awesome well, book idea. Felon File is such a fun name, and it's a, a great a great podcast. I have to say, when I was looking through, trying to pick some different ones to listen to, I kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. I could not believe how many podcasts you have released. It's awesome. So I got to listen to some of the older ones and some of the newer ones, and I think I have like 10 days worth more to listen to, and I intend to because they were quite well, fascinating. Um, some were a little harder to stomach than others i have to admit so for those of you with tender hearts like mine you know <laughs> there's some things on there but okay. all very fascinating I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys and would like to do it time yeah. this podcast is made possible by listeners like you to support this show head over to buymeacoffee.com backslash unexplained and you can become an unexplained one you can pick up all things unexplained hoodies tote bags and sign books from yours truly you can sign up for close encounters of the first and second kind with cj smitty and myself and if you're feeling truly daring you can even go for close encounters of the third kind special shout out to coma toast tacos which is home of mysterious publications like this podcast and my bigfoot books over at squatching.com and now more with detective scott lunsford we do have a closing segment we were i was hoping to do with you though detective lunsford if you're up for it okay so not to put you on the spot here but i've got five infamous unsolved crimes pretty much known the world over, and I would love to get your hot takes on these five infamous unsolved crimes. All right. So just your hot take on each of these. I'll start with one of my favorites, Lizzie Borden. I think Lizzie Borden did it. And I also re- think the reasoning that she did it was because her father was, uh, was messing with her and uh, taking in a reactions with her and this was her retaliation and that's why she was able her sisters knew about it and why she was able to continue living with her sisters after she uh, killed mom and dad and I don't necessarily I think she felt she had to kill she was probably just initially wanting to take dad out uh, and felt that once she did that she of course had to take mom out because mom just wouldn't understand but 40 wax that is a an amazing hot take i just have to say that that is incredible you know isn't it fascinating that all that time ago that lizzie borden was tried for those crimes and and as a woman all that time ago that she that she was not convicted yes uh, we caught, we have a saying in, in the South, sometimes, uh, well, referring to a man, sometimes a man just needs to be shot, and sometimes <laughs> the courts agree. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some really good stories about mm, that, so maybe for another time. Yes, you do, in your podcast, yes. in fact. In your podcast, Yeah, let's have you back on it another that. time to talk about that. So let's go on to our next hot take here. Great, great hot take on Lizzie Borden. So our next one I've got for you, D.B. Cooper. Oh, my man, D.B. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard one. I, no, I, I used to, uh, 
I was fascinated by him a while, and I used to have that as uh, my uh, uh, back when we were doing MySpace. I had him use that as a a, a, a handle. I was DB Cooper Jr. and uh, I used the the composite image of him as, as my uh, profile picture. But uh, oh, nice. Uh, DB did it. I think he missed. I think the guy that did it got away. I don't think he was found. I, I am pretty sure that he would have, his body would have been found. We found parachute. We found part of the money. Uh, that, that young boy found the money in the uh, uh, river. Yeah. I think he uh, was probably, well, I know he was military. Yeah, I think he was military. I think he just got in over his head and he did not... He was like one of those guys who he thought too he thought more of his experience and his skills than he probably actually had. And when he let when he jumped from the plane and opened the chute, I bet I'm thinking that the jerk probably broke the strap that carried the money and the money ended up falling and separating from him and he ended up and ended up in the river and where part of it was found later and he ended up in a in a tree in a wooded area and was able to uh get away i like to think that he got away uh, right. i don't like yeah, the that... idea that you know but that's just kind of the 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 romantic aspect of yeah. it i guess it's interesting how that with db that would be viewed as a, a kind of a happy <laughs> ending right if the this particular criminal got away with, Got away. It would kind of be viewed as a happy ending, and I actually saw a recent theory that he did land there, and and buried the money somewhere along the riverbank in hopes of returning for it. But actually, a flood was on record recently after and before yes. he could recover it that it possibly washed it out. So, great, great hot take. I hope DB made it out there too. Now, this next one will ring a bell with our listeners and, and most people around the world. Never was solved. A truly tragic case. Jean Benet Ramsey. There was a, a recent uh, show on that, uh, that I, a documentary that I, I watched. And uh, the detective that was working the case believes that a person entered through the uh, basement through a window. And he gave, in reading his information, there was a, an article that was published and uh, reading what he was saying, I, I agree. I don't think, I think it was a third unconnected to the, well, not necessarily unconnected to the family, but I don't, I think that uh, somebody came in, she may have been a victim of a stalker, but uh, I don't think the parents had anything to do with it. Or the brother. Right, yeah. Good good take. Now, you mentioned earlier about a particular person who would find themselves in a hot place one day in the afterlife, and <laughs> I kind of think this about our next person here, but I would love to hear your hot take. We're going to do two more. This is the next last one. Casey Anthony. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a special place right there uh, waiting for that person yeah uh, that's yeah. just 
I, I actually had the opportunity to talk with uh, a detective that performed the polygraph exam on her. Oh, wow. And uh, he was teaching a class I was in. And yeah, she did it. That's, that's, there's a place waiting for her. Yeah. So, you know, I was trying to jog my memory. And this is not one of the cases I had for you for a hot take, but I recall with, with the OJ case, okay, mm-hmm. if you just go by the strict definition of the words, some of the things presented could lead to a reasonable doubt, I suppose, like the glove, for example. But throughout the entire Casey Anthony trial, I do not recall anything that gave me a shred of reasonable doubt that what what do you think was the biggest thing that that led to her acquittal? Was it just the the you know throwing different possibilities at the wall and seeing what stuck? Was it just that the act of doing that? Do you think or what? I was, I think it has a lot to do with the the system that we have in pri- in place right now, the jury system, and this. We don't know exactly what happened in the jury room when they everybody was discussing it. And we don't know, we weren't in the jurors' shoes when they heard the information and saw the defendant at the same time. So they're, they're getting, uh, try not to second guess, they're getting their information from several different sources, the jury pool is, and they make their decision based on that, based on the, the testimony, based on the feeling in the room, you can, of course, you know, there, you can argue that, you know, that's not the case, but everybody's been somewhere where all of a sudden the whole, maybe in a business meeting and somebody walks in and the room just chills and, uh, everybody knows that something is going to happen so or something is going to be said or they hear innuendo uh we don't we don't know exactly what the jury heard and what they felt at the time and then what they discussed about and that's the system we have uh our peers are supposed to make the determination and they're supposed to err on the side of caution so right that happens and it's the best it's this is it's the system we have right now so until something better comes along right that's a good take and so last but not least what i would probably have to describe as the the most infamous unsolved criminal crime of all time i wonder if cj and smitty has a guess as to what this might be I'm pretty sure it's Jack the Ripper. Well, it's about it's... Cookie Monster. Smitty <laughs> <That, laughs> nailed it. De- Detective Lonsford, I'd love to get your hot take on Cookie Monster. No, not Cookie Monster. <laughs> Jack the Jack the Ripper. Uh, there was some DNA testing done later that tended to point towards this artist that, uh, uh, what was the writer's name she wrote a patricia, book about patricia it, uh, a non-fiction work yeah patricia cornwell i've read it cornwell, cornwell. yes and and she they 
her direction makes a lot of sense when she what she wrote about i think um i'm kind of of the opinion though that the guy left england and came to the united states because there was some crimes that were remarkably similar to his activity that occurred in new york and some other places uh you know we had a we had a ripper in atlanta georgia they called him the georgia ripper or the atlanta ripper and uh, he killed they think up to 14 people but uh they're positive about like five or six perhaps maybe he was involved with that but there was there's some there's some good evidence to think that that he made it to america and got away and probably got killed here or died here just got sick and passed away the idea that he had to have been a doctor i don't think is uh is valid i think anybody that was a hunter or a butcher uh or a good cook because back at that time frame you got your uh you got your meat and you had to really know what you're doing in order to to clean it out to prepare it for food purposes so uh i putting i wouldn't put all my uh eggs in a basket that he was a doctor like some people seem to to think he was right and if if it is true if they did make their way to america that probably excludes the theory of it being a member of the royal family and maybe yes. puts yeah maybe puts it back into the you know the sailor category for example I would, uh, I would think a sailor would be able to have, over time, develop some uh, skill at dissection. Would be quite handy with a sharp knife. Oh yeah, terrific hot take there, Detective Monster. I appreciate that. So did Cookie Monster eat the cookies? But I, I'm gonna say yes. Of course, Cookie Monster <laughs> ate the cookies. That's what a Cookie Monster does. <laughs> Not if I got there first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you so much for being with us. It's been great. Well, thank you for having me. I've I've very much enjoyed it. Yeah, it, this has been an entertaining evening. Like I said, I would love to have you back and get your opinion on some cases out there in the public. You know, right now. And uh, have you back on as a guest to discuss some of those? Be happy to yes, be sir. happy to help in any way. And like my wife says, we talk. To, I talk too much. And <laughs> you're giving me a. You're taking a lot of listening off of her shoulders. So well, she's happy. <laughs> so say CJ and Smitty keep me temp. Why do you think these <laughs> two wanted to start a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> I usually can't get a word in edgewise with mouths around, so, you know. This has been fascinating, though, truly fascinating. Yes, it has been been great. I sure do appreciate it. Not a problem. Anytime. Yeah, happy to, happy to help in any way I can. Well, thank you so much again. CJ, you got anything else? No, just thank you to everybody who tuned in listening. We would love to get anybody's feedback on our social media pages. You can send us questions or links or other things to dig into. We love researching all things unexplained. That's right. Thanks, Detective Lunsford. Smitty, you want to take us out of here? 
be curious, be strange, and watch for all things unexplained. You've been listening to All Things Unexplained. If you liked this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. If you would like to hear more All Things Unexplained, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about our show, you can visit us at www.allthingsunexplained.com. And if you'd like to support our show, please do visit buymeacoffee.com backslash unexplained. A special thanks to our producer, director, sound mixer, editor, and the man that wears far too many hats. No, seriously, he has a lot of hats, Dr. Tim Mounts. Without you, we couldn't keep the lights on. Thanks for listening to All Things Unexplained.